This is a post-Christian podcast. We are the sacred collective. All are respected. All are heard. All are welcomed. Join us. Welcome, sacred collective listeners. Thank you for tuning in this week. This week, we're going to be reading another parable from Peter Rollins's, well, I think, one of his magnum opuses. It's called The Orthodox Heretic and Other Impossible Tales. And this parable is called Being the Resurrection. Late that evening, a group of unknown disciples packed their few belongings and left for a distant shore, for they could not bear to stay another moment in the place where their Messiah had just been crucified. Weighed down with sorrow, they left that place, never to return. Instead, they traveled a great distance in search of a land that they could call home. After months of difficult travel, they finally happened upon an isolated area that was ideal for setting up a new community. Here they found fertile ground, clean water, and a nearby forest from which to harvest material needed to build shelter. So they settled there, founding a community far from Jerusalem, a community where they vowed to keep the memory of Christ alive and live in simplicity, love, and forgiveness just as he had taught them. The members of this community lived in great solitude for over a hundred years, spending their days reflecting on the life of Jesus and attempting to remain faithful to his ways. And they did all this despite the overwhelming sorrow in their heart. But their isolation was eventually broken when, early one morning, a small band of missionaries reached the settlement. These missionaries were amazed at the community that they had found. What was most startling to them was that these people had no knowledge of the resurrection and the ascension of Christ. For they had left Jerusalem before his return from the dead on the third day. Without hesitation, the missionaries gathered together all the community members and recounted what had occurred after the imprisonment and bloody crucifixion of their Lord. That evening there was a great festival in the camp as people celebrated the news of the missionaries. Yet, as the night progressed, one of the missionaries noticed that the leader of the community was absent. This bothered the young man, so he took out to look for this respected elder. Eventually, he found the community leader crouched low in a small hut on the fringe of the village, praying and weeping. Why are you in such sorrow? asked the missionary in amazement. Today is a time for great celebration. It may indeed be a day for great celebration, but this is also a day of sorrow, replied the elder, who remained crouched on the floor. Since the founding of this community, we have followed the ways taught to us by Christ. We pursued his ways faithfully, even though it cost us dearly, and we remained resolute despite the belief that death had defeated him and would one day defeat us also. The elder slowly got to his feet and looked the missionary compassionately in the eyes. Each day we have forsaken our very lives for him, because we judged him holy and worthy of the sacrifice, wholly worthy of our being. But now, following your news... I am concerned that my children and my children's children may follow him, not because of his radical life and supreme sacrifice, but selfishly because his sacrifice will ensure their personal salvation and eternal life. With this, the elder turned and left the hut, making his way to the celebrations that could be heard dimly in the distance, leaving the missionary crouched on the floor. And as always, 
Pete Rollins always gives a commentary at what this parable means. So here, continuing are his words. This story was written in order to explore what it means for a person to affirm the resurrection of Christ. While the community described above knew nothing of the literal resurrection, there is a sense in which they affirm the reality of the resurrection in a more radical way than many of those who confess such a belief. The reason for this relates to the fact that, for many today, belief in the resurrection simply acts as a guarantee of eternal life and cosmic meaning. In this way, the belief itself is divorced from action and acts as nothing more than a type of divine insurance policy. In contrast, this tale asks whether resurrection is fundamentally something that is lived and does not depend on one's subjective belief. In order to explore the theme, the story creates a type of prolonged Holy Saturday experience, which Holy Saturday refers to the day that is nestled between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. In this liminal space between witnessing the crucifixion and hearing of the resurrection, the members of this community described above have given themselves wholly to the teachings of Christ. In this way, they follow him without thought of some future reward, and thus they follow him in a truly sacrificial way. It is in this dedicated commitment to Christ that one can say that resurrection is truly made manifest. For while there is no intellectual affirmation of Christ's living presence, there is an incarnated testimony to this presence. Here Jesus is testified to as present in the life and actions of the community. This affirmation is not wrapped up in some abstract belief. It is testified to in the texture of their lives. Not only does this cause us to rethink the necessity of believing in the resurrection, it can actually cause us to wonder whether this belief could sometimes act as a barrier to really affirming its reality. As mentioned above, it is not uncommon to find people within the church who believe for self-interested reasons, for example, affirming Christianity out of a desire to enter heaven. When confronted with this, this is not the Christian is not the Christian obliged to undermine the intellectual belief in resurrection, inviting the person to reflect upon the life and death of Christ in and of themselves. Far from being an unorthodox idea, this is precisely what happens in the Christian calendar every year during Tenembrae. We can see in the Gospels this idea of an orthodox theological belief getting in the way of its true meaning. For instance, Jesus warns Simon Peter against revealing his identity to others. In the Gospel according to Matthew, we read, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on this earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. 
Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. And that's from Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. Unlike today when many people wish to proclaim from rooftops that Jesus is Messiah, Jesus is recorded here as wishing to keep his identity a secret, almost as if such an idea could actually get in the way of what he stood for. We can understand that this we can understand this when we grasp how affirming Christ as the Messiah is not a verbal act but rather a te- is testified to through one's own life. Is this not how we ought to read the statement? Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the spirit of God says Jesus be cursed. And one and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Of course this does not mean that one is unusable well, that one is unable, excuse me, to say the words Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. The point is that the affirmation Jesus is Lord is not some disembodied intellectual claim. It is an incarnated affirmation declared in the life of those who pour themselves out for the poor, the oppressed, and the enemy. This story thus explores the controversial possibility that Christians are not called to believe in the resurrection, but rather are called to be the site where resurrection takes place, the site where Christ's presence is testified to in action. I don't know about you, but that's a really, really heavy um, reinterpretation, a retelling of the resurrection, telling of who does Jesus say that he is. And we could, I could ask many, many questions for you to think on, but I think Pete did a well enough job, actually not well, but a great job of talking uh, of asking these questions these poignant and probing questions so just chew on that re re listen to it if you need to i know it was a lot of heady weightier things and sometimes we talk about on sacred collective whether they're with interviews or just when we get in our small group and talk but really reflect on this resurrection theme and this parable and if you agree with what pete rollins says i don't I don't think me or him or anybody who likes this parable is telling you how you have to think, but it's really, really important to maybe flip the narrative of believing in Jesus and having to say this prayer or having the right dogmas or having the right theological understandings and beliefs. So I leave you with this, Sacred Collective listeners. Please, please... um, understand question doubt um, flip the narrative flip the script continue continue searching and hopefully here in the future we'll be reading more out of this hopefully pete rollins is okay with me doing this it's just his words and these parables in this story in this text are so poignant so um so meaningful even now in our current context that we're at so i hope you enjoy that parable Reach out to us on our social medias um, if you want to talk more or discuss it. Um, Other than that, have a great day, whatever day you listen to this. And everyone take care and be nice to each other. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to our episode. Your support means the world to us. If you'd like to further support us, 
head over to our merch shop. We have shirts, hoodies, stickers, magnets, and more. All you have to do is go to thesacredcollective.threadless.com. That's thesacredcollective.threadless, T-H-R-E-A-D-L-E-S-S dot com. If you want to find out how to score some free merch, please consider becoming a Patreon supporter. For as little as $5 a month, you can have access to some great discussions with fellow listeners and free merch while allowing us to put out great conversations. Just head over to patreon.com slash sacredmn. That's patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash sacredmn to check out what contribution best fits you as well as the incentives we offer. If you haven't yet, don't forget to click subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends. Thanks again for listening.
That was a post-Christian podcast.